Welcome to Maps Plane, where we break down a question, event, trend, or piece of news every single day. My name is Bobby Corella from Mavs Digital. Today, I'm joined by Mike Frailer. You might know him as Forgotten Mavs on Twitter and on Instagram, and also as the host of Mavs Archives of the Mavs Podcast Network. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find Mike's show, and it is great. Most recently, he had former Mav Jason Terry on the program. Mike, how's it going? Good, Bobby. Thanks. Um, thanks for having me on tonight. Things are going well over here. Um, just you know, laying low like everybody is. But I'm glad to say that my wife and I are okay. Our son's okay. So we're just hanging in there, taking it one day at a time. That's good, man. That's good. I know everybody's trying to stay safe right now, so that's more important than anything. But in the meantime, there's still plenty of basketball to talk about and basketball history, most most importantly. And I know that that's your forte. So uh, <laughs> I figured a good way to introduce you to this series is uh, kind of, I guess, looking very big picture at some Mavs historical moments. Um, and, and there's probably no better way to do that than by looking at uh, – who their rivals are, who are some of the teams that have kind of defined uh, the Mavericks as a franchise over the years. And if you're going to talk rivals with the Mavs, obviously you got to start with the big baddies from down south in San Antonio, of course, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the Mavs-Spurs rivalry. Uh, when did it become a rivalry? What is it like whenever these guys go head-to-head? And uh, what are some of the most memorable battles that they've had along the way? Uh, so, uh, Mike, before I hand it off to you to kind of let you take it where you want to go, I do want to give a little bit of background on this all-time series. So uh, the Spurs lead the all-time head-to-head series, 113 wins to 71. However, uh, it's obviously become much more balanced in the last 20 or so years once Dirk joined the Mavs. Uh, they lead the all-time playoff series, 20 games to 16. Uh, the series lead at 4-2. Uh, however, there have been four upsets in their head-to-head series in the playoffs. So even even though maybe one team has more regular season wins, uh, these series almost always go the distance. Only two of their six meetings have been decided in less than six games. So... Uh, there's always some, some pretty good playoff clashes with them, especially during the Dirk and Duncan eras, of course. And then before Dirk, before Duncan, before Pop and Mark Cuban and all these guys, uh, the Mavs' first ever game was against the Spurs way back in 1980. It was a 103-92 home win. Uh, now, they would lose their next nine games in the series, and I believe like 13 out of their next 16 against the Spurs. So, uh, like I said, the Spurs did kind of hold a, a pretty significant edge early on in their meetings, but the Mavs would eventually pull much closer to even later on. So, um, I guess with that in mind, kind of a little bit of background, uh, Mike, when did this become a rivalry? Because if you look at the Mavs' all-time meetings with the Spurs in the playoffs, they never met in the postseason until 2001, and that's usually whenever we think of a, a rivalry sort of taking off. So um, with your experience just as a Mavs fan who you know has memories from the 90s and early 2000s, uh, when did this, uh, this interstate, intrastate uh, matchup become the, one of the biggest rivalries in the NBA? Well, for me... You know, I have really vivid memories of some Maverick Spurs games, not too long before that first time they met in the playoffs in 2001. Um, you know, leading up to that to that series, there were some really exciting regular season games between the Mavs and the Spurs, and, and three come to mind. Um, they actually kind of start before, during, and after that first time that they met in, in the playoffs. But um, 
there were two games in March of 2000 that were really exciting Mavs-Spurs games. The first was in San Antonio. Um, the Mavs were, you know, fighting for a, a playoff seed. They had become a really competitive team, but were still kind of on the outside looking in. Um, but it was in March of 2000. The Mavs won in San Antonio pretty handedly um, behind 26 points from Eric Strickland. Um, when I recorded a podcast with him, he and I talked extensively about that game. Um, and then five days later, they played again at Reunion Arena. The Mavs were down 20-something in the second half and went on a furious comeback. And it was capped off by Dirk taking what would have been a game-winning three wide open in the corner. He airballed it, and Eric Strickland came, um, was right under the basket, tipped it in right at the buzzer. Mavs won by one. So that was an exciting little stretch there where, you know, a fringe playoff team who didn't even really make the who didn't make the playoffs that year beat the defending champions twice in five days. That was pretty cool. Um, the next season, again at Reunion, the Mavs had a walk-off buzzer beater where Finley hit a, a game-winning fadeaway over Sean Elliott um, at, at Reunion, like I said. So that was, that was definitely an exciting game that I remember. And then um, the following year, 2001, 2002, after the first time they met in the playoffs, um, Steve, Nash, Steve Nash hit a game-winning three with less than a second left in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. I think Tim Duncan had 53 points that game. It went into overtime, maybe even double overtime. Um, I remember Tim Hardaway Sr. hit a huge three in that game too to kind of set up Nash's three. So there were some really exciting games before, you know, before they – started meeting in the playoffs consistently. Um, like I said, they did meet in 2001, but the Spurs won that series pretty handedly in five games. But, you know, there, uh, there, was, a lot of, there was a handful of exciting Mavs-Spurs games around that time that I can remember for sure. I think if you're going to define a rivalry, especially in professional sports, uh, there, there's kind of a few criteria that you have to meet, right? First is you have to meet in high-leverage situations. And the Mavs and the Spurs played in the playoffs five times between 2001 and 2010, so that certainly qualifies. Um, you both have to be good, or at least as good as each other, and there's no doubt. I mean, you look at the Mavs' wins by season. They're always with the Spurs. Uh, the Mavs and the Spurs lead the NBA in wins since 1998, whenever Dirk came in the NBA. So they're kind of the class of the league for a long time. And then also, most importantly, you have to have some familiar faces too. Mm -hmm. And Dirk spending 21 years with the Mavericks, Tim Duncan spending his entire career with the Spurs, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Greg Popovich, um, Rick Carlisle being a long-tenured head coach, along with Don Nelson before him. And then in between, you had Avery Johnson, who actually played for the Spurs and won a championship with the Spurs. Uh, so not only were there familiar faces on both sides, you had Michael Finley playing for both the Mavs and the Spurs, Nick Van Exel playing for both the Mavs and the Spurs. Yes. Um, but you had coaches playing for each other, and, and uh, I believe Pop was on Don Nelson's staff uh, with the Golden State Warriors during the run TMC era. And, of course, he uh, was. Pop being an assistant coach for those Warriors teams would eventually face off against Tim Hardaway, who went from the Warriors to the Mavericks. And so, um, so you have all sorts of these kind of uh, connections between the franchises from a, from a management standpoint, coaching standpoint, and then uh, down to – players spending their entire careers with one team. So um, for maybe for some younger Mavs fans, I'm sure every 
Mavs fan that's that's our age or older will remember that 2001 series. But uh, could you give a little background information on how they met in 2001, how that series went, and then kind of uh, their next couple playoff meetings taking us up through 2003 and then up to uh, the 2006 epic Western Conference semifinals clash? Sure. So, the two, you know, the 2001 playoffs was a really exciting time for Mavs fans. We were down 0-2 against Utah, won three straight on that, um, and then finished on that Calvin Booth layup in Salt Lake City. And I remember being really excited with, with that win in Utah. And if I remember correctly, the series against the Spurs opened up. There might have been like one full day in between the end of the Utah series and the beginning of that Spurs series. So it was a really quick turnaround. Um, and, you know, that the Spurs, I believe, were the number one seed in the West that year. If no, or, They were. Okay. Were, okay. And, uh, you know, the Mavs obviously were – you know, had just pulled off a big upset, but I think it was only natural for them to have kind of a letdown heading into a series against a top tier team after such a, a miraculous comeback. And, th- and that's pretty much what happened. Um, the, the Spurs won easily in games one and two. Things that stick out from those first couple games, um, Juwan Howard had a really nasty flagrant foul against Derek Anderson. I don't think it was like intentional. I don't think he was being dirty. I think it was two, you know, two big guys moving fast and just had a nasty collision, but it took Derek Anderson out for almost the remainder of the playoffs, separated his shoulder maybe. And he was a big piece of the Spurs at that time. So um, the Spurs fans were not happy with Juwan Howard at that time. Uh, And then, so they won games one and two fairly easily game three. They also won here in Dallas Um, and game four, was was pretty special um, because it was the last game ever at Reunion Arena, and so that was that was cool from a fan standpoint that the Mavs, you know, hung tough with the Spurs. You know, it, it ended up being a really close game. I know Finley had a big uh, fadeaway in the last minute, maybe a minute and a half, to kind of give the Mavs some breathing room, maybe like a six point lead or something like that. I just I remember him hitting a really big shot. I believe that was also the game Dirk got a tooth knocked out. Um, and he, I, I have vivid memories of him jumping over the scorer's table and getting treatment in the back and then coming back and playing with a tooth missing and hitting some big shots and making some big free throws. So that was a, that was a cool way to, to end things at, at reunion arena. You know, they, they won their first game ever at reunion against the Spurs and they won their last game at reunion against the Spurs. So pretty cool how that, how that happened. And then, you know, game five back in San Antonio, the Mavs were never e- even in it. The only bright spot was um, Dirk going for 42. I believe that was his first 40 point game ever. And just, yep. just more or less, I, I, you know, that, that, that was probably his coming out party that 2000, 2001 season. He had kind of um, cemented himself as a really good player the season before, but 2001 has really turned the corner and probably more, uh, more fans rather than just casual fans start, started to figure out who Dirk Nowitzki was. So then that takes us to 2003, and I think uh, this is this is where things got really spicy between them. So uh, you had a little bit of, I guess, not even bad blood, but the Spurs were definitely big brother up to that point, having beat them pretty handily in 2001, and then 
Uh, obviously already having won a championship in 1999, uh, coming so close to winning a couple others before falling to the Lakers, who had kind of finished their three-peat run by 2003. But that was whenever the 0203 season was whenever the Mavs and the Spurs kind of established themselves as the class of the West taking over for the Lakers, who had kind of fallen apart by then. Uh, both teams won 60 games that season. Um, only <laughs> only one other team in the West won more than 51 games. So Dallas oh, wow. and San Antonio were miles ahead of everybody else. Uh, and in those days, the division winner automatically received a top seed in the West. And Dallas being in the same division as San Antonio meant that only one of those teams was going to have a top seed. And so whenever there were two divisions, the best you could do was third place. Soon after, there would be three divisions. So the best that you could do was fourth place. Uh, and, and that actually, the Mavericks and the Spurs' success uh, against the rest of the West ultimately kind of led to that rule being changed after they met in 2006. But 2003, I think, was kind of the, the turning point in this rivalry, I guess, if you want to target a time whenever it became legit. Uh, because the Mavs almost pulled off the unthinkable and and they almost beat the Spurs. Can you talk a little bit about that series? You know, the 2003 was a really special special season for for Mavs fans. Um, you know, heading into that series, they had just gone seven games with Portland, seven games with Sacramento, and then they come and they're facing the Spurs. Um, game one in San Antonio, I. I vividly remember that game because I want to say the Spurs took control early and and then the Mavs gradually fought their way back um, and they ended up pulling off I mean I was honestly like surprised that they won that game um, I remember Finley hitting a big shot in the lane um, I remember I I remember Dirk blowing by I'm guessing I think it might have been like Danny Ferry or something for like a baseline dunk but I just I remember that that um how that happened and that that was fun to watch and you know they they took game one and sole home court advantage so that was that was pretty exciting um that that happened so i remember game two i actually <laughs> i didn't get to watch that much of game two because i had a intramural basketball game that night that i broke my collarbone oh, wow. and so oh, i spent no. that night in the er <laughs> so <laughs> but i do i remember um you know I guess listening more about it on the radio that night. So I really, I know they lost, but I have no memories of that game because I was in the ER with a broken collarbone. <laughs> um, yeah, not a bad one to miss from that series, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, game three. That's when Dirk went down, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I believe so. I remember him getting tangled under the basket um, with, Ginobili, I believe, and, you know, went down, grabbed his knee and kind of dragged his body across the floor. So that was pretty, that was pretty scary as a fan and wondering if he was okay and what the long-term implications of it were, you know, so Mavs lost game three, Dirk sits out. Well, he never returned in the series, but, you know, he was definitely out for game four. They lost game four at at American Airlines Center. So then they're down 3-1, and they go to game five in San Antonio. And, you know, I I more or less had written them off at that point. I didn't really expect them to – I kind of thought it was just going to be maybe going back to 2001, game five in San Antonio, get blown out. 
you know, just they didn't have their best player against one of the best teams. You don't really expect them to do what they did. But I remember a really impressive run. I'm guessing it was either – it was definitely in the second half, maybe the fourth quarter, where, you know, they made a lot of hustle plays and just caught fire, and they were scoring, like, every time down the court. I remember Nash making a crazy floater and Exel making a hustle play that led to a three. Um, I think LaFrance had some big buckets at the time. So they stole game five. So their only two wins of that series were both in San Antonio. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool to see because at the time it gave me a glimmer of hope that if Dirk was feeling okay, maybe he could play in game six. Obviously that didn't happen, but the Mavs came out on fire in game six built a 16-point lead in the second half, I think. And then we all know what happened. Um, <laughs> Steve Kerr Steve and Kerr Steven happened. Jackson hit combined. They hit like eight or nine threes. But, you know, Kerr's were really memorable because he didn't play like that entire playoff run. And Popovich decides to put him in, and he went four for four from three. And um, I'll never forget that the, the front page of the Dallas Morning News the next morning said Kerplunk. But it was K-E-R-R dash plunk. I remember that very well. And, uh, you know, that that's how the 2003 season ended. Um, you know, Dirk didn't play the last three games. And it's hard not to wonder what would have happened had he played. Um, I'm of the belief that I still think the Spurs would have won. I just think they were the better team at that particular point in time. Um but you know, who knows? What about? Do you think that the this, the Mavs could have pulled it out at Dirk played? Uh, I don't know if they would have won. Honestly, that's kind of like one of the big what ifs in Mavs history, at least recent, semi recent now Mavs history. That series was almost twenty years ago, which is insane. Yeah. But um, the Mavs, the Mavs really did have no answer for Duncan in that series, and that was kind of the the peak of Duncan's powers, really, that season. I think in oh, the yeah. finals. In 03, he had almost the quadruple double in the closeout yep. game against the Nets. And so he was really on another level. And Dirk wasn't quite there yet. And the Mavs really weren't quite there yet. And uh, frankly, I think Duncan's kind of performance domination in that series, if you will, is what led to the Mavs chasing Eric Dampier in the following offseason because they needed a guy that could bang with him a little bit down low. They just didn't have much beef. Uh, to guard these dominant post presences. And so that kind of changed the the foundation of the team. Uh, of course, Steve Nash, that same offseason, well, one season after, I'm talking about, um, one season after leaves to go to Phoenix. Um, Michael Finley, the following season in 2005, leaves to go to, of all teams, the Spurs after the Mavs mm-hmm. amnesty him. And so the next time they meet in the playoffs, now, again, they're both 60-win teams. This is three years later, but the, the cores of these teams have kind of changed significantly. Um, in 2006, Steve Kerr is broadcasting the game on TNT. He's no longer on the Spurs. Uh, Avery <laughs> Johnson has become Mavs head coach. Uh, Nick Van Exel is long gone. In fact, I think he might even be on the Spurs at this point too. Uh, he was, yeah. The Mavs starting lineup is totally different. Yeah, the Mavs starting lineup is different. You have Jason Terry, Devin Harris, Josh Howard, Marquise Daniels, Eric Dampier, Ghana Drop. A lot of new faces, um, but it was still kind of the same high-level basketball. And, in fact, that 2006 Western Conference semifinal is, for my money, like 
probably the best series of the 2000s and one of the best series of the modern era, really the post-Jordan era, uh, post-expansion era even. It was a back-and-forth heavyweight brawl that went as far as a series can go to overtime of Game 7 and arguably the signature performance of Dirk's career outside of June 2011 was that fateful night in San Antonio, Game 7. Yeah, so so Game 7, 2006, was so memorable for me, um, mainly because, you know, I I think I had just been, I don't know, like trained to be pessimistic <laughs> when it comes to games to some Mavs playoff runs. So, you know, I they went up 3-1, and I was fairly certain that they were going to close it out in five even though the games have been close and then, you know, they lose game five on the nail biter, they lose game six. That was really close in Dallas game seven was, you know, the, one of my all time favorite Mavs memories. And what I remember most about it besides the end is the beginning. Um, they started off super hot. Uh, I don't know what their percentage was. It, I want to say they made like 17 of their first 20 field goal attempts. It was something insane. Um, I remember Josh Howard got going early. Jet was going. Dirk had some some drives to the basket. He started off the game with a jumper, I believe, or maybe a, a, a baseline drive. But I just, I remember everything they threw up going in, and they took an early twenty point lead. And then, you know, and as good teams do, the Spurs made a run and they got themselves back into the game. And by the mid to late third quarter it was a pretty competitive game the Mavs still had some breathing room I remember Keith Van Horn hitting back-to-back threes in the third quarter of that game it ended up being you know probably some really big points for the Mavs they need to provide a little bit of a cushion for what was going to be a crazy fourth quarter and then I just remember the Spurs riding Tim Duncan and he got them back into the game he scored on Van Horn down low he scored on Dirk down low probably Dampier and Jop I would imagine and then Finley hit a huge three before the Ginobili three. I remember that with probably about a minute left. And, you know, while the Spurs were making their run, though, Dirk was also keeping them in the game. But, you know, the when that Ginobili three went down with less than a minute left, when the game was tied to put the Spurs up three, I thought that was it. I really thought it was over. Um, I remember we were watching the game at a friend's house, and he, he's a, a diehard Mavs fan like me, and, when that went in, he and I just kind of like locked eyes and I just kind of like, I'm guessing I shrugged my shoulders and I thought it was over. Um, but the, obviously that, <laughs> that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I think Dirk showed a tremendous amount of poise and confidence and aggressiveness. You know, I, at the time, if you were going to, if they were going to give the ball to him, I, I, I'm guessing I thought he would take a, take a fade away or something like that. But he drove to the basket, you know, turned his shoulder, just drove and was going to try to make something happen. And that's exactly what happened. Ginobili made a play on the ball and uh, Dirk drove and the ball kind of spun on the rim and eventually fell in and, you know, do a, he got an and one and forced overtime. And what I remember most from overtime are two players in particular, Jerry Stackhouse and Sagana Jopp. Stackhouse made a couple of big baskets and Jop really had an impact on the game. I think I read he was playing with a broken nose at the time, but really he, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the game that that happened. And, uh, you know, he forced Duncan into a, a traveling violation. He blocked Duncan's shots a couple times. He got a dunk off a give-and-go from with Jet, I believe. He made a free throw, and he got a huge offensive rebound. So he was huge in overtime. So that's definitely um, probably the thing I expected the least. But that's they, they don't win that game without Sagan and Jop, 100%. Yeah, and that's kind of the – I guess, I don't know, the unheralded element of a rivalry is in the blink of an eye, essentially, the Mavs went from blowing a massive lead, not only in that game, Mm -hmm. but in the series. They led 3-1. Blowing a massive lead and a Michael Finley three-pointer being part of the main reason why uh, to knocking out the defending champion because Sagana Jop had a big overtime. I mean, that's really (laughs) the, the series swung because Sagana Jop went in the game. I mean, at the time, he was coming off the bench. It was Eric Dampier, but I think Damp might have fouled out in that game, or maybe Duncan was just giving it to him. I don't know, but Avery turned to Ghana, and uh, he contributed in a big, big way. That offensive rebound you were talking about was uh, it was basically volleyball between him and Duncan. They were chasing that ball. It, it got tapped and retapped into the air two or three or four mm-hmm. times, and Jop finally came down with it. And that essentially sealed the game and uh, turned a colossal uh, disappointment, not only that night, but also in the series, into probably the most triumphant moment in Mavs history to that point. Toppling Big Brother for the first time, going to the conference finals, uh, Dirk establishing himself as kind of the man, uh, the man, his play against Bruce Bowen, uh, finishing the end one against Manu Ginobili. That was just a... A, a wonderful moment in Mavs history. That night, Dirk had 37 points, 15 rebounds. Tim Duncan had 41 points, 15 rebounds, mm-hmm. three blocks. It was it was Battle of the Titans, two all-time greats at the peak of their powers, going head-to-head uh, in a Game 7 that went to overtime. I mean, that that's what sports is all about. And uh, I, that that's kind of the – when I think of the Mavs and the Spurs, I think of that series and I think of that game. The great thing about that series, yes, Game 7 went to overtime, but there were so many other great games, too. Um, game 1 went down to the wire. Games 3, 4, maybe 5, 6, and 7. I think Game 2 was the only blowout. The Mavs won in San Antonio, yep. but you know, all of them went down to the last few seconds or went into overtime. Uh, I remember in my episode with Jet, he talked about a huge baseline jumper he hit over Duncan in Game 4. Uh, I remember there was like that might have been a game that where Robert Ori actually had what could have been a like a crazy buzzer beater. It had like it was a very difficult shot. I don't think I would have been shocked if he made it, but not, I really wouldn't have been because it was Robert Ori. He did have a chance to win That's one of those did, games man. in Dallas. That's what he did. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So that there was just so many twists and turns, and you had the the Terry punch to to Finley below the belt. Um, do you know about the other, um, it's actually, there's a pretty funny YouTube video about it. The other below the belt moment from that series. I'm not, Oh, Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Celebrating game seven, uh, basically yeah. celebrating the win. Yeah. I believe, uh, it was Josh Howard that got hit, right? Yeah. Avery Johnson was like trying to check 
Adrian Griffin into the game. And in order to like pull Griffin towards him, he pushed off of Josh, but hit him like below the belt. And then you just see Josh double over on the baseline. Right on the on sideline. Pretty funny. Yeah. So as yeah, the final yeah. seconds wound off the clock, Josh Howard was in tears, but it wasn't because he was happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anytime I see that video, it always makes me laugh. Yeah. But, to, uh, to your point about that series being competitive, game three decided by one point. Game five decided by one point. Game seven obviously went to overtime. And game one, the Spurs won by two. Jerry Stackhouse potentially had a layup to tie the game Mm -hmm. at the buzzer, but instead he dribbled it out to the three-point line and went for the win. And uh, his his shot hit the front rim and rimmed out. And I remember being very mad at the time. And if that happened today, I think everybody would be mad too. But he was going for the win. I mean, it was kind of like uh, the Mavs, even though they won 60 games, they were kind of like we're playing with house money. Like we're the underdog. Let's if we're gonna if we're gonna compete in the series, let's let's win it. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, so I, I even though it seems crazy, I kind of respect the move to go for the victory and and not just settle for overtime on the road. You know, had it gone down, it would have been awesome. So you just you got to live with it. It ended up going okay for the Mavs in the end, but I do remember that that Stackhouse decision to go for the win and it didn't work out. But uh yeah, that was a hell of a series. Um, and I know you were speaking of the the playoff seating earlier. Like, I think a, they stipulate they instituted a new rule after that, so the best two teams would not meet in the second round. Like how that happened. Yep, that was a unusual seating situation. So, kind of a cool footnote in history. Like one of the the probably the two best teams in the West that year met in the second round, and it went the distance. But it was. Certainly, uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then uh, breezing through their last three playoff meetings in 2009, the six-seeded Mavs upset the third-seeded Spurs in five games. The next season, the seventh-seeded Spurs upset the second-seeded Mavs in six games. And then finally in 2014, mm-hmm. you had Vince Carter hit one of the most famous shots in Mavs history, a buzzer beater to win game three to put the Mavs ahead 2-1 as an eight-seed. But uh, eventually the Spurs would prevail in seven games that I year. I was there. Whenever you hit that shot? That's the only playoff game I've ever been to in my life. That was a <laughs> that was a heck of a game. That was, for my money, that's yeah. one of probably the five or ten best games ever played in that building. And that, that was a, a really good series, too. Um, you know, nine and ten weren't that all that great. Um, nine, the Spurs didn't have Ginobili, so it was a little different. He was hurt. 10 um you know the the spur the Mavs won game one and then they lost three straight and ended up losing in six I do remember Roddy had a good game in game six but there really wasn't a whole lot of else noteworthy about about that series but 14 was that was really cool um the Mavs were were the Mavs the eight seed that year they were the eight seed yes that's what so they went up 2-1 after that Carter shot um they were yeah they won game two in a blowout in San Antonio. Won game three at the Vince Carter shot, which was incredible. Um, so much fun to be there for that. Game four was really close too. Um, I'm I think a lot of Mass fans are of the belief that had Dewan Blair not kicked Tiago Splitter. Maybe the Mavs win that game too. Yep, I agree with you. And Dewan Blair also former Spur. Uh, yes, playing yeah. for the Mavs and, and playing a kind of a pivotal role in that series with another, I guess, what the NBA deemed a cheap shot. He was suspended for game five, too, which personally, I feel like that was overkill, but I'm also very clearly biased. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, that was um, pretty entertaining uh, how that all happened. You know, Blair was huge in that down the stretch in that game four when they came back and took the lead, but, you know, couldn't pull it out. Game six in Dallas was awesome. The Mavs won by, was it one or two? They, um, it was a very, I think it was it really close, two, but it was very close. The Spurs so, in that game, was that yeah. the game when the Spurs had uh, too many players on the floor? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They, they, they had a chance to either win or maybe send, had they scored on that play, I can't even imagine what, what would have happened, but they did have six players on the court when they tried to do something. Yeah. Another um, infamous moment yeah. in that rivalry. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, game seven was pretty lackluster. Um, I think the something with the Spurs finally clicked or maybe reality maybe set in a little bit. You know, the Mavs were awesome that series, but the, the Spurs were the champions that year. So uh, I, I don't think I expected game seven to be a blowout, but it was uh, that was not a, a good game. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough one. That was a the Spurs pulled ahead, I believe, by 30 before halftime. The Mavs eventually oh. cut it down. I want to say to 12. They made it very close. In the third quarter, they just went on a tear, got got hot from uh, downtown and cut the lead in half, and plus a little more, but they just couldn't get the job done. Uh, the Spurs go on, obviously, to win the championship. The Mavs were the only team that beat them uh, more than twice. I think no other series the Spurs played went longer than six that postseason. They obviously capped it off by just clocking Miami in the finals, winning 4-1. to one. Um, mm-hmm. Got a couple more notes before uh, before we get out of here about this this rivalry. So, um, so how about this? In 2007, right, the Spurs go on to win the championship. The Mavs that season were the number one seed, obviously. They lost in the first round of the Warriors, becoming the first one seed ever to lose to an eight seed in seven games. However, four years later, the Mavs would get the Spurs back by winning the title themselves, and the Spurs, meanwhile, were the number one seed, and they lost in the first round of the Grizzlies. So both teams kind of benefited from historic upsets. We think of these teams as juggernauts, but it was kind of their their own mishaps that indirectly helped the other. Um, and then finally, mm-hmm. uh, how many trades, you might know this off the top of your head, but how many trades have the Mavs and the Spurs made all time? These These teams have been around for 40 years. Oh, gosh. Um, I can't think of one. I'm not saying it's zero, but I, at the moment, I can't think of one. Well, you're not far off. It was one. So Was it for Jan Mahimi or something? No, 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 no it wasn't. Okay. So there have been, in Jan Mahimi, of course, uh, Michael Finley, Nick Van Exel. There have been many guys that have played for Avery both Johnson teams. Avery Johnson played, for, played both? for both teams. Yeah. But... Uh, none of those players were ever traded for each other, I guess, or you know, sent from one team directly to the other. It was always through free agency. Uh, the one trade that they've made all time was June 30th, 1999. The Spurs traded Leon Smith to the Mavericks for Gordon Giracek and a 2000 <laughs> second round draft pick that eventually became Chris Carowell, who never played an NBA game. So that is the only time that Pop has ever, or anybody else from the Spurs for that matter, has ever done business with the Mavs, that one single <laughs> trade. And so that's why, basically, from now until the end of time, I just don't see it happening again, right? You'd be crazy to ever expect another Mavs-Spurs trade for as long as Pop and Cuban are associated with the Mavs. This is not going to happen. Despite all of their respect for each other, rivals do not help rivals. 
<laughs> that's true yeah um i remember i like i remember the obviously everything that happened with leon smith in dallas but i don't i I must have just forgot or maybe just didn't even know that he was originally uh, with the Spurs or drafted by them. So that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah that is the only time. So there's a uh, there's your ultimate piece of trivia. Um, <laughs> is there any uh, any parting words you have about the Spurs before we get out of here? Want to tell them how much you hate them or any final <laughs> thoughts on uh, on the rivalry? Uh, no, the final thoughts would be that, you know, since – Obviously, with Dirk, Dirk and Duncan retiring, the, the rivalry is pretty dormant right now. I hope it comes back, though. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I hope that uh, our generation of Mavs fans and the younger generations and everything just get to enjoy it again because it, it's pretty cool having an in-state rival and with two um, historic figures like Dirk and Duncan uh, – playing for their teams for what's basically been two thirds of my life. Like that was, that was awesome. And I hope something resembling it comes back at some point. Yeah, it was kind of a once in a lifetime experience. Uh, it was beautiful basketball, man. There were some, there were some heated moments. There were some big upsets, both sides. There were some epic, epic clashes. Uh, we were lucky to witness Dirk V Duncan for 20 years, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see. The new generation is here. Luca versus the Spurs KP. We'll see if the Spurs can get some young guys in here, too, to uh, to carry this over to the next generation. But until then, the Spurs aren't the Mavs' only rival. So in future installments of Mavs Plane, we will get to some of the other teams that they've done battle with over the years. I'm sure that list will include the Lakers. We'll see who else is on it. Until then, I'm Bobby. He's Mike. And this is Mavs Plane. We'll see you.